This podcast is brought to you by StoreMaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at StoreMaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. I think also at the core of all of that is the product, which has like from the beginning been the main focus of the company and still is like, if you don't have a good product, it doesn't matter what you do with UA. But if you have a good product, you can just drop people in there and they will have a good experience. They will, as you said, like they will keep inviting other people. They will keep coming back. So that's something that like you can't do without. You can add as as many layers as you want on top, but you have to have a good product. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Hey, everybody, and uh, welcome to another episode of Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm your host, Jonathan Fishman. I'm VP Marketing here at Stormaven. And today, I'm really excited to be here today with Vera from Waltz. Hey, Vera. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you. Do you want to tell us a bit about uh, your role at Walt and uh, what are you responsible for? Yes. So uh, I've been at Walt now for three years. Um, I'm currently working as a user acquisition lead. Um, so I lead a team of UA campaign managers um, taking care of, uh, of, of our um, online growth in, in the different markets that we are in. Um, and also um, I'm responsible for ASO. So also have some team members uh, working with that as well. Awesome. And, and I just have to say congrats because the world just got acquired. Uh, it was announced, I think, uh, two weeks ago, uh, which is uh, pretty amazing. And you had uh, the front, uh, front row seats to, uh, to see this kind of growth. Uh, today, you're like 23 countries. Is that right? Yes, we are now in 23 countries, um, uh, mostly like Europe and uh, Middle Asia and then Japan. So definitely has been uh, great to see see that. Uh, I think when I started, we were in like 10, 12 markets, something like that. Um, so definitely like we've seen a lot of um, country launches since then uh, and Japan and Germany um, also being one of those. So yeah, definitely uh, nice to see us being uh, appreciated also uh, elsewhere and, and that we built this uh, great company. Sure. I remember when you entered Tel Aviv, which was the uh, the best thing that happened to me uh, taste-wise, uh, but the worst thing that yeah, happened I to my wallet. Yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> in there would say the same, at least based on what I hear. I uh, order uh, way too much waltz, like all of us at the Storm event team. Um, but it's uh, it's amazing. Like you took Tel Aviv by storm. I remember when waltz entered, like uh, like I had the, the I was from the other side, like I was the consumer seeing world enters a new city and it was like in a matter of, of weeks it was like everybody knew what world is and downloaded the app which was uh insane so uh so i'm really excited to talk a bit um today about what you guys are doing and what's your methodology when entering a new country and 
and how really you tailor the marketing message in terms of the UA creatives and the product pages uh, in the App Store and Google Play uh, to the local market. Uh, but before that, I just want to start with um, something I chat about a lot with uh, folks recently, which is changes uh, with the ID fade deprecation, everything that happened after iOS 14.5. Um, so just in general, like what type of challenges or what are you guys seeing with, uh, uh regarding that? Um, yeah, well, I think the challenges are probably the same as everyone else. Um, not, not knowing who is who. Um, and as a company, we also decided not to ask for the IDFA con content at all. So basically that means that we, like after iOS 14, we, we lose all the user level tracking. Um, so, of course, that's a big challenge. We've been now, uh, since it happened, building uh, our own probabilistic modeling to kind of try to cover for um, for the loss in the data. Um, we we use the, like, well, basically any any data source that we have, uh, mainly scan data for, um, for like, feeding that model. Uh, and then um, based on the what we know about the user behavior and so on, we... Um, we try to do our own attribution um, for to be able to to kind of uh, optimize on a campaign level for for iOS. Cool, and that's something that you've built in house this model. Yeah. Yes. So we have a uh, our own own team, uh, marketing uh, tech team who who's behind this. So um, they've been working a lot on it, and of course, still we we keep improving it. Um, and I think something that has also affected us like in addition to the iOS that we've had to also build into the model is the uh, deprecation of view through attribution from uh, several channels now I think Facebook TikTok mm -hmm. um, so that's that's also then something that now we're trying to incorporate into the well not exactly the same modeling because the data source is different um, but kind of building overall modeling to try to cover as much uh, as possible of these different uh, different reasons why we we uh, lose user level data. Got it. And and in terms of the SK ad network, like, like just what went behind the decision of uh, first of all not asking for uh, like not using the ATT framework, not asking for uh, users to track them. And uh, are you using SK ad network? Is it one of the the signals that your model gets? Uh, yes. So we are using SK ad network. Uh, we build our own logic. To it to try to still get um, as much uh, funnel data as possible, uh, and then um, the reason why we decided not to ask for the consent, uh, it was kind of a discussion with between us and then product trying to weigh in on the um, kind of what do we see as like what's the probable um, opt-in. Um, percentage, how much does it affect the user experience? Because that's still our main um, kind of main thing that we compete with is the user experience and the, the app um, and how it is. So um, how much does it then um, kind of interrupt the, that experience if there's a lot of pop-ups coming, coming up and kind of trying to weigh all of these different um, viewpoints. And then in the end, this is what we decided to do. Got it. Yeah, I see you're not alone in that decision. I see this uh, with, with a lot of teams. But basically, in order for the ATT framework to be even remotely effective, a user needs to provide consent uh, twice, once to your app and once to the app where they saw the ad for, for that to work. Uh, the percentages there, uh, like if you multiply the two percentages, it comes to like 
very low number, like less than 5% from what I saw. So uh, the value there can't be big because that segment of users do, do not represent uh, all of your audience. So making decisions based on yep. that is is really tough. Um, so how are you making decisions to like budget allocation decisions these days, all based on your internal model? Like it's uh, on the probabilistic model? Um, yes. So now we are starting to get to the to a point with the model that we we can start also making decisions based on that. However, we also look at, um, for example, blended numbers uh, on a higher level to make sure that we have incrementality for our investment. Um, so I think that's probably something that we will keep looking at for a longer period of time just um, to make sure. But then, like, as I said, on a campaign level or, or more like a granular level when, when doing optimization, it's kind of... Um, the only way for us us to go with. So we, we have to trust what we get from SCAN and what we model out of that. Got it. And that's on the measurement side. On the targeting side, you see, I mean, did your channels change? Like, What type of, uh, like basically, Walt is targeting a very broad audience. Is that right? Like, or is it uh, more narrow? Um, in a way, yes, very broad, but then again, in a way, it's quite limited because we are limited by our delivery area. So in a lot of markets, we are uh, we are not, not in the whole market. We are only in specific cities and even inside the city, we could only cover a certain area. So we have um, like a lot of restrictions in terms of the geolocation targeting, uh, which we want to keep, of course, because a user cannot make their first order if they are not in the delivery area. So it doesn't make sense to to um, target outside of that. But then, um, like, with that, of course, comes, like, already uh, a little bit smaller audience. So the more you start to split it into pieces um, after that, then the, the higher the CPMs, like, you, you start to see inflation quite fast. So, of course, we do testing also with, with further um, segmentation of audiences, but, but we uh, quite heavily rely on the geotargeting. Got it. And, and you saw, like, after June this year, did you see uh, any impact on your targeting or your abilities to target or um, in different channels? Not really in terms of UA. I mean, for UA, not, not that much. But then, of course, for retargeting, we cannot do that because we're not asking for the um, consent. So it means that we simply cannot um, target um, any iOS users on it with uh, based on user level data or, or share that data with third parties. So that's something that, that we are unable to do at the moment. Yeah, got it. So, uh, and was that a big part of your uh, UA, um, I don't know, budget or efforts? Not necessarily. I think the overall, the retargeting part is something that is uh, growing over time. Um, but since we are still uh, um, like growing really fast, um, so the main focus for us is still getting new users. Um, but in, depending on the market, then some markets are more, more mature. Then, of course, we start to shift more focus into, into retargeting and how to activate the existing user base we have. Cool. So uh, let's, uh, let's move a bit into localization, which is something that I know is somebody that is uh, responsible for UA and ASO. It's something that uh, you uh, put a lot of effort into. Um, can you walk me through like your process of how does how do you approach even entering a new market um, from a UA perspective, from a creative perspective, from an ASO perspective? Mm, yes. So maybe one thing that is relevant to know uh, for entering a new market is that um, I mean we are 
uh, we are um, physically in all the locations where we operate. So the first step for our company is always building the local team, uh, building the operational side. Um, we can't do any UA. Um, we can't get any users. We don't have restaurants if we don't have careers. Um, so those are like the main um, main focus for um, for a new market in the beginning. But then once we have kind of the the basic setup, we have um, uh, the core team. Uh, in place locally, then um, we start to look into like what is the actual launch date for um, for users, um, and then when it comes to to UA um, over there, often we we try to um, kind of if we have any if we have launched any similar markets, we we probably try to get some sort of learnings from there. Um, I think overall the main main strategy that we have is is to not start from the assumption that, okay, we need to build a brand and be really, uh, I don't know, like a top of funnel, um, may, uh, make sure that people know who we are, but we actually approach it more from um, from the perspective of, of starting with a tactical angle. Let's see if we can already get users in with UA, um, which actually um, often works. Uh, and then only if that's not possible or there's something broken in the funnel, do we start going upper in the funnel and, and start to fix fix those different um, areas. So that's that's the main approach for UA. Um, when it comes to the localizations, um, the main responsibility there is for our, in our internal, we have a, our own brand, uh, brand team who's producing the assets and then um, in the local markets, we always have a marketing manager uh, who's then responsible for for the uh, localization. So basically, they they work together uh, to make sure um, that everything is localized in a way that we want. So we don't localize in with an agency or anything like that. But we it's super important for us to be local, not in the not only in the language, but also with the with the feel uh, and 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 kind of what sort of uh, brand we want to build uh, in that market. Yeah, and, and I want to talk a bit more about that. But before, I just, um, like you talked about brand, and it's it's a really interesting case because a world has this kind of a network effect that is extremely powerful. Like when you get into a market, and again, I'm talking from the perspective of a user, the first thing that I saw was like a delivery person with a Walt uh, box on the bike. And you start, start seeing more and more and more of these people. Everybody started asking what is this? What is Walt? Like nobody, we, we didn't know the yep. brand. Uh, this ne- the next thing that happened is, is a friend of mine uh, texted me, hey, if you download this app, you get uh, 30 uh, shekels. That's the currency here in Israel, but uh, 30 shekels uh, in, in credits if you uh, buy something. So there was also this invite loop that was working. And um, and I, re- I really like this approach of like, first of all, seeding it with uh, UA and once you have like a critical mass or like a core, I don't know, community of people or a group of people that are uh, that are using Walt, it starts to expand itself through, first of all, the physical uh, placement of like all the Walt delivery person. I mean, when you now go to the street in Tel Aviv, you see like dozens and dozens of those every, every second and uh, with uh, user invites. So I think that also probably makes UA easier. Uh, afterwards, because people start recognizing the brand uh, naturally. Um, so I really like that approach. No, uh, I think also at the core of all of that is the product, which is which has like from the from the beginning be been the main focus of the company. 
uh, and still is. Like if you don't have a good product, it doesn't matter what you do with UA. But if you have a good product, you can just drop people in in there and they will have a good experience. They will, as you said, like they will keep inviting other people. They will keep coming back. Um, so that's something that like you, you can't do without. Um, you can add as, as many layers as you want on top, um, but but you have to have a good product. Yeah, 100%. Like the one of your competitors here in Israel, which is a very... Um, I don't know, this company has been around for like a decade, maybe. Um, and it existed. Nobody used it because it's a horrible product and a horrible experience. Uh, I won't say the name of the competitors. So they won't be mad at me, but um, it's just a horrible experience. You're like, you have no idea. How it's, it's, they're always late. You have no idea where the delivery person is. The, the, they don't really work with uh, the restaurants that you want to order from. And uh, when you use Walt, it was so much. It was like more than 10 times better. And people started talking about it. Uh, so I, I really agree. And, and I just want to, uh, like, I think one takeaway here is that having a great product and having all these kind of loops, like the user invites and the, and, and the brand that starts to pick up uh, organically in, in a new market for you, uh, it really makes you, a, um, you know, way more efficient. And if you don't have these, these pieces, uh, it doesn't matter how uh, well you, I don't know, set up your campaigns and, and you know, create ad creatives that are really good. Um, the product won't grow at the end of the day. Um, so I, I want to go back into the the assets and, and you said taking learnings from like new markets. Uh, what do you do when you uh, enter a market, let's say like Japan, which is like very, very different, I think, from the, uh, the markets that you were serving before? Um, how do you approach like studying or learning? Uh, what kind of messages or, and creatives even would work for this audience? Because everything is uh, very different. Yeah, so I think um, we have maybe two angles. So as I said, we have the local team. So we we have a nice way to get local insight. We work really closely with the local marketing team in all countries. Uh, and they know their market, obviously. So, so we can get uh, certain insights from there. Of, of what they have um, have seen to work, like what's the culture um, and, and that sort of things. And then um, also we still want to not go with the assumption that something that worked elsewhere would not work. So we, we always want to go with this approach of, of having something very local and then something that is more, more central, looking more like the, uh, the generic creatives that we have uh, and testing a mix of these two. Uh, then from there, we can already see uh, usually some directions of, of what, what starts to work uh, and we can start, um, start kind of going uh, more towards that. How do you approach testing, by the way? I mean, for product pages, uh, you've been uh, using Stormhaven uh, to A-B test, uh, but how do you approach testing ad creatives? Um, so often uh, we also have to do this on a country by country basis. We've tried to run uh, or, or do testing on a global level, but how it always ends up is that there's kind of no correlation between the different countries from test to test. So it's really hard to build kind of paths like, okay, this type of thing works in this group of markets or, or something like that. Um, so um, we still still do that in some cases um, when it comes to, for example, uh, what sort of formats do we want to be producing um, uh, and things like this kind of prioritization on the central uh, brand production side. 
but then when it comes to to like um, more details in the creatives, yeah, it's it's always up to the the campaign manager of that market. So um, everyone in in our team who's uh, managing campaigns. Uh, they usually have two markets that they take care of. They they take care of all channels um, and both UA and retargeting. So they have kind of this full overview of the market, uh, of what works. They they have the freedom to um, allocate um, budget wherever it works the best. What How can we grow as fast as possible? Um, so then they are also, of course, the best people to do this sort of testing. Cool. And, and do they work? How, how do they work with the ASO uh, function? I mean, do they work with Dev and ASO partner, which is different person in the team that you work with on, on like localizing the product page? Uh, yes. So when it comes to localizing the product page, uh, usually, so we have certain people who, who do uh, also ASO. Um, and then these people usually are the ones kind of, first of all, to pick the countries where that we want to prioritize. Of course, it's there, if it's a new market, we want to localize that for sure. Um, and then when it comes to testing in, in um, existing markets, we, we have certain um, rules how we prioritize them. Uh, so usually then it's this person approaching um, the local marketing team and then also, um, depending on the case, the, the UA manager for that market um, for insights to, to kind of collect initial ideas for testing. Cool. And do you have any cool examples for like things that you learned or that surprised you with results of tests of like what kind of messaging worked in different countries? I mean, I, I guess that uh, the different foods that people uh, like in different countries is a big part of it. But uh, uh, do you see anything uh, surprising? Yeah, I would say like uh, there's a uh, burgers do work. That's one learning. It's not surprising. <laughs> okay. That's kind of new. Most, most likely can apply to every market. Um, but then, of course, there are also some really specific things that work. Um, and it's, I think it has also been uh, fun to see, like, uh, over the years, like, the different, like, getting to know the different cuisines. I think, for example, Georgian food. Uh, now, since I've been there, uh, it's really good. It's, it's like, oh, it's one amazing. of the best cuisines I've tasted. But it doesn't really look that, like appetizing or appealing. I don't know <laughs> yeah, but visually it's appealing food. because it's often like a mush of of different things like vegetables and and some sauce and something so it's just like a I don't yeah. know like a lump uh if you don't know what it is then it looks a bit weird but it does work yeah. really well so that's uh, for example one thing that I was like before I knew what the food actually is and what it tastes like it just looks like okay I have no idea what this is um but it works really well wow and uh, and creative wise, like you're like I'm going back to Japan that has a extremely different uh, I don't know standard in in what like how do people design ads like the ads in Japan are crazy to me like when I traveled in Japan and like I looked at these ads and I said wow this is yeah. so different and so crazy with like uh, from so many reasons um, so. In your creatives in, in Japan, ads and, and in the product page, it's like it looks very different than how it looks in the West. Like, what, what did you learn there? Um, yeah, so I think there we are trying to find the balance of um, what our identity is as a like Finnish or Nordic brand, because that's also something that's considered to be very positive in Japan. So we don't want to lose that. But then, also, of course, we also want to conform to the like uh, what the local uh, kind of visual aesthetic is. Um, so we, we are constantly testing with that balance. And I think, um, now, for example, trying to 
trying to go a bit crazier and see what has um but yeah i think it's it's kind of uh, always trying to balance between these two and and how to because it's a good differentiator also for us to to maintain a little bit of of that nordic um clean uh looking thing but then of course it's the com- complete opposite of the basic japanese uh, ad style so yeah it's it's been very interesting and i think there's still uh, a, a lot for us to learn there awesome yeah you're definitely teaching the world what is uh, the benefits of having a clean and nordic uh, ui <laughs> and design it's uh it's really cool um so do, do you have any like two three tips for somebody that is thinking about localization of an app and starting to enter into new markets like three like learnings that you have that they must take into account or think when thinking about localization mm, yeah i would say the first one is to like if if you in any way have the possibility have someone local to look at your content um make sure like it it can even be like if you're using a translation agency or whatever it is then having like one piece of something that is produced by them checked by a local just to get an understanding of what what vibe do you have like what what feeling uh and and style does the copy have uh, and the visual um because there's a lot lot to do there and uh, you have to somehow make sure that that you're conveying what you want to convey not only with words but also uh with with what's behind them uh, so i'd say that would be one um then uh not to make assumptions as i said uh it could be something completely different from what you're doing that works but it could also be that the same exact thing that you did in some other market works um so not kind of ditching either um, either angle um but um but testing both uh, and finding kind of what's the what's the ideal uh, in between awesome thank you that's uh uh really valuable um so we we are running a bit out of time but uh i want to ask you a few questions we ask all guests so first of all if you if you could give um Like a tip to somebody that wants to go into uh, mobile growth marketing or user acquisition, uh, what would it be? I think my main tip would be uh, learn to look at a lot of numbers uh, and not only the UA numbers, but try to get uh, an understanding of businesses. Like that's what's going to get you further than um, just managing a campaign and looking, looking at how that campaign is doing, but actually understanding how does that affect the company what can you maybe maybe do uh, in in what you're doing with the ua side to um to really have a, a bigger impact in the company to be more efficient something like that i think it requires a lot of understanding of of other business metrics as well uh, than only the ua oh that's uh that's awesome yeah i learned that the more you can tie the, the work that you're doing to revenues at the end of the day that, that is interesting to, to leadership and uh, the C-level of the company, uh, the better you are. Like you just have to find how the things that you're doing now are affecting yeah. revenues. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think the same applies also in other teams. For some other team, it might not be revenue. If it's product team, it might be something else. Uh, so kind of also understanding what's the priority for each and that makes you um, better in, in collaborating and, and prioritizing things with different teams. For sure. And um, for content recommendation, do, do you have uh, 
a certain person that you follow or a newsletter or something that you read uh, that you would recommend uh, uh, fellow UA folks to read? Uh, I'd say like my main uh, main source for for things to read is is actually LinkedIn. So I just follow um, certain hashtags there, for example. And then I think now over time, uh, I've been able to train the algorithm to show me quite a lot of stuff that I I want to look at. So uh, finding some relevant keywords, it could be um, just like uh, UA performance marketing or something like that, or if it's like a specific industry, for example. Um, uh, startups, anything like that, uh, and then slowly trying to train the algorithm to um, to find content that you look at. But I think for me, that has been like a good way to actually find things that I probably myself wouldn't search for. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I think LinkedIn is becoming more and more of like a place where you can train the algorithm to consume the kind of content that you want. And uh, it's been working great. Um and because the name of the podcast is Mobile Growth and Pancakes, and because yesterday I ordered a pancake on Walt, um, I want to ask you, what's your favorite flavor of pancake? I would say like um, like plain pancake and then banana and whipped cream on top. Nothing else. That's like the perfect uh, ah, nice. perfect way to do it. It's almost the pancake I ordered yesterday, but it had blueberries as well. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, blueberries. I think that's a that's a good addition to like uh, wouldn't mind blueberries. But if I had to only pick one, then I would leave those out. Cool. Uh, and if uh, anyone wants to uh, chat with you, ask you anything about uh, work, life, anything, where they can find you? Uh, yeah. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, with my name, uh, which might be hard to spell, but it's Vera Alakaila. I I don't know if it will be in some description of yeah. yeah we'll we'll of write this it. episode. Yeah. Um, but also, if you search for um, user acquisition and Vault, you probably will find me. Awesome. Cool. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and I'll talk to you soon. I'm, I'm off to uh, order some lunch from Vault. Great. Have a good lunch. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Stormaven, thanks for listening.